Hi, hello everyone. Thank you for joining me for what is going to be our last class, which is wild. Um, you guys have been with me through a lot. We, we've been through me getting COVID together. So thank you all for understanding. Um, and thank you for being with me on this journey. You know, whether you're you've been following along with with all of the classes as they've been released, or you've been going at your own pace and carving your own path. Doesn't matter how, um, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter your timeline. Your timeline is your own. But I am very, very glad that you're here. So this class tonight is going to be a big highlight takeaway recap. Um, like a TLDW, I think is what it was for those of you who want really really key juicy big the big mindset shifts from this class um right if i had an hour an hour long coaching session with someone these might be some probably not all but some of the main topics that i would want to hit on the core of it the meat of it um yeah so i'm going to be recapping that the big big juicy takeaways um and then i'm also going to be sharing with you three more tools so more um these are not tools that i taught in the nervous system regulation class these are going to be some extra tools um for nervous system regulation that you can try and see how you like and i'm also going to be recapping a meta pattern of change that you guys can use to um integrate right embody what's the word um you know a lot of times i'll have people say or, you know, we just say in our lives of like, yeah, logically, that sounds great. Or I understand that intellectually, cognitively, but emotionally, I'm not really, it's not really clicking. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is going to be a really powerful four-step process for integrating the changes that we really want to make, especially, you know, how we want to feel and how we want to feel differently. Um, which I think is like the perfect, this is gonna be the perfect tool to like integrate these concepts. So I'm very excited to share it with you. Let's get to it. Let's get started. Awesome. Okay. So if you remember, one of the first things that we did together was talking about our personal histories of impulse suspending. And I think it's incredibly valuable. It's not 100% important. It's not 100% necessary, but I do think it is valuable to, you know, you don't have to <laughs> write 20 pages on it. You don't even have to journal about it, but just to think back of like, huh, did I have any impulse desires to buy? Maybe you didn't have the money to buy, but as a kid, did I have anything that I really wanted to buy? Did I, did I hyperfixate on something? Did I, you know, see this ad on TV? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy this so bad. My parents will let me like, whatever it is from as, as young as you can remember, teenage years, young adulthood, just what comes to mind, what floats into your consciousness. And I think it can be really useful to be aware of that, to have a level of understanding of like, oh, is there, is there a pattern? Oh, I, I had this when I was, you know, eight and this when I was 16. Or, you know, for me, this love of tech, this hyperfixation on tech has been a very consistent pattern on and off through my whole life or animals or whatever it might be for you. Because it feeds into that concept of identity work of like, who am I? What are the things that I like? What are the things that I enjoy? That's all wrapped up in, you know, what do I like to hyperfixate on? Those can be related. Um, yeah, and I think it can be really valuable to see, um, you know, especially were there times in your life where your spending was a little bit, right, more intense because there were factors, events going on in your life that made things really hard? right, where you were looking for comfort and impulse buying, hyperfixation, purchasing, that was a source of comfort for you at that time. I mean, that's an important awareness moment. And again, you don't have to go digging. Just let what floats up into your conscious awareness just float there. But I think that's a really good first step for being like, what has been my experience in my life with hyperfixation spending and impulse spending? Okay, so the next thing we talked about is the neurobiology of impulse spending and hyperfixation spending. And these details, these are not the like core mindset shifts and big changes that you're going to need to grasp onto to make your changes with impulse spending. But that chapter was really valuable just to like, if you're curious to know why is ADHDers and as neurodivergent people or, you know, 
me as an ADHD or, you know, whatever, whatever neurodivergence you have, if you experience impulsive spending and you have especially dopamine at play, why might that be the case? Um, and, you know, the really big takeaway I want to, to bring to highlight there is that impulsivity is a part of our executive functions and ADHD is a disorder of our executive functions, right? That is what we struggle with. And executive functions are not just, oh, wow, I really want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. I'm not doing the thing. It's not just about task initiation. Executive functioning is a whole big, big platter of pie. And there's like the cherry pie and the apple pie and the, the peach pie, right? It's not just executive functions is like all one category. It is a very diverse spread of things, including impulsivity, including um, task initiation, prioritization. We got working memory. We got emotional regulation. So there's a lot of components, but certainly emotional regulation and the impulsivity. That's what's going on here for sure. Um, all right. So starting with our first big picture mindset big big juicy mindset shift right if we let ourselves think about it for even 30 seconds and we ask ourselves what is it that i really want to buy right now if i could buy anything if i had millions and millions of dollars i didn't have to think about money what would i want to buy we can make a list in no time and that list is only limited by our own creative capacity, right? As creative as our imaginations can be, that is a reflection of how long the list can be. And sure, maybe it is also a correlation of like how much time you're sitting down. Sure, all of that. But the list is infinite, right? The list is infinite. If we have a running list, and I think this is a strategy that some people use, including myself at one point in my life, but if we have a running list, of these are all the things that I want to buy. These are all the things that I want for myself. And we hold and carry that list over time, we are always going to be adding things to that list. There's always going to be more. If we let ourselves sit down for an hour, we could probably think of a hundred things to add to that list. And so the list is infinite. And that means that, right, our capacity for desiring and wanting things, again, it's related to our own creative capacity. And that's a beautiful thing. And it is completely okay to want to desire. It's human, it's normal, it's natural. It's not something that we have to just like cut off and say, oh, I can't want anything. I can't desire anything because that's dangerous. No, that's not true. We are always gonna be wanting. We're always gonna be longing. It's a difference of, right, being able to regulate ourselves around that. It's a difference between being able to right? Not let the impulsivity take over, right? Just following the dopamine, right? The dopamine. And then having that moment of like, wow, I spent $300 on this and I'm not even using this. Or wow, I spent $100 on this and it's been sitting in my closet for six years. Or I don't even really like this. Like, why did I buy it? Right? And it's okay. We're all going to have those moments sometimes. But a lot of times these moments happen because we are not sitting in awareness here. We're in the cycle of, ooh, I'm experiencing discomfort. Okay, right, our brains are wired to avoid discomfort. Our brains are wired to alleviate discomfort. And so what do we do if our go-to path has been spending money and buying things, that's gonna be, right, that's the habituated neural firing pathway of like, yeah, let's go buy a thing. And so our brains do that. And then we experience some shame, right? It's a cycle. <laughs> we beat ourselves up and we're like, oh my God, I shouldn't have spent that money. And what do we create there? We create more discomfort that our brain then wants to run away from. So we create this cycle here. And throughout this cycle, there, there's a, often a lack of awareness because maybe our nervous system is dysregulated and we're in you know, a flight nervous system response or a freeze nervous system response, and we're dissociating, you know, whatever it might be, it's very difficult in those moments when our nervous system is not regulated to sit in our own discomfort. And that is what makes it really challenging. That's what makes it really hard to feel okay with desiring and wanting and want wanting, especially when, like, 
I think for so long in our brains, we have this feeling of like, oh, I desire this, so I'm going to buy it, or I will buy it, or there's purchasing the act of a transaction attached to this feeling, rather than just being like, oh, cool, I want this, and it is okay for me to want things, and I will always want things, and I will want things for my entire life, and the list will continue to grow and be infinite forever. It's okay that I want things. This isn't dangerous. It's not like, oh, if I could just buy all these things and get to the end of my list, then I'll be great. Then I won't have to feel like I want to buy anything else because that's never, ever going to be true. That is a fallacy in our brains <laughs> that I think our brains like to believe that story of like, oh, if I could just buy everything on my list, everything that I want right now, then I'll feel a sense of peace and I can go on with my life. But the list is infinite, folks. <laughs> it's never going to happen. And then also, right, and I'm not going to touch on this too much, but we also, if you live in the United States, we live in a very consumerist society. Every kind of marketing ad, every almost everything, right, is not buy it for life. <laughs> what is it called? Planned obsolescence. Don't we have to deal with that now? Right? I mean, our culture, our marketing, our industries are for the most part designed to be getting you to buy more, to feel like you are not enough or you need you need to wear this makeup to be worthy, right? Not for you to feel good inherently internally because this is something that brings you joy, but because you are not good enough, you need to buy this makeup, right? There's a big difference there. And so we need to be aware of that also. Like this is our cultural programming and we are taught to feel, we're kind of trained to feel like, oh, if I buy this thing, then my life will be amazing. If I buy this thing, then I will be this completely different person that I've always wanted to be. And that is, again, not really true because, you know, if we look at our personal history, we can usually have this body of evidence that shows, wow, okay, I, I had these moments where I thought, wow, I'm going to buy this Peloton or this treadmill or this camera and I'm going to be this kind of person. This is the kind of person I'm going to be if I buy this thing. And that, it doesn't last, folks. It doesn't last. Maybe it lasts for a little while. We do something for a little while, but most of the time, if it's not our dopamine, right? If it's not intrinsic, internal, if it's not a hell yes kind of purchase, that stuff's going to wear off. Okay, awesome. So, next part nervous system regulation. What I really want you to take away from this chapter is honestly just the techniques, just the tools, just the techniques. Um, so, and I think if you are somebody who's neurodivergent and you haven't explored things like sensory experiences, if you have not yet explored that, it is worth experimenting with your brain to see, like, does this do something for me or not, right? You won't know unless you experiment with it. But, you know, weighted blankets, loops, earbuds, um, you know, the, like, basically, like, they quiet, they don't completely block out noise, they, like, dampen the noise um noise canceling headphones binaural audio beats the ones that go like like back and forth um on either side they're really cool they're really funky um i think i already said weighted blankets i mean it can be sitting on the floor of your tub in the shower and letting like that is a very different sensory experience but like letting the the water hit you um that can be a very regulating sensory experience it can be sitting on the floor right Sometimes we don't really sit on the floor very often. And that can be a very regulating experience of like, ooh, this is different. It's very supportive. It's like the hard ground. And stim toys also. If you haven't experimented with stim toys, please do because it is so joyful. And they have them at Target now. Probably Walmart too. Um, they definitely have some really great ones at Target. And if you haven't experimented with it, just see, just see. Does this is make me feel like 1% better? when I'm having a hard time, even 5% better, 10%, 20%, it can be anything, but that is really valuable to know, right? You, you're able to build a toolkit, a tool belt for when you're experiencing emotional dysregulation or nervous system regulation, you know, I think they can often be one and the same, but having, you know, 
concrete, tangible things at your disposal, especially in your visual line of sight, where you don't have to think about it and be like, what are the things that make me feel better? But it's like, here's a basket of things that makes me feel better when I'm having a hard time. That can be so lovely. Um, some other things, if you haven't tried it, again, it's about understanding your own brain. This is what I do with all my clients, right? Because I don't have every client be like, yep, do this and you will, you'll be great. It's different for everyone. And so we have to experiment. We have to see what works and what doesn't work. But body doubling, for sure, if you haven't tried it, some really great resources are Focusmate online and then Focus.space is a new one that's come out. Um, also, body doubling on Instagram, that's the handle, body doubling. Um, I think they are an ADHD-focused membership, if I believe, um, if I remember that right. But body doubling. My preference is body doubling with people that you know, um, like that know who you are. That's my preference because I feel more emotionally regulated, right? I feel more supported. I feel like it's a safe, supportive presence, and that's a lot more regulating for me, but everybody's different. Um, and then truly, you know, the rest of it, you know, I talk about journaling. I talk about adding stimulation. Um, I talk about going for walks in nature, tearing up pieces of paper, muscular tension and release. All of these are options. They're written in the handbook, but, you know, let's see, breath work, movement, dancing, all of those things are definitely possible. Um, and it's really, you know, we have to try things to figure out what works and what doesn't work. But right now, I'm going to show you three new tools that I have learned that I think are fabulous for emotional regulation and nervous system regulation. And I will teach you my favorite first, and it is bilateral stimulation. So you want to get an object. It can be literally anything, but an object that you can hold in your hands. I've got my AirPods. And what we're going to be doing, um, you know, I think one way to do this is to kind of think of something that feels emotionally heavy for you. So maybe it's a feeling of overwhelm. Maybe it's a feeling of anxiety maybe you're you know right it's right before your period and you're pmsing i get you but whatever intense emotion you have going on just call it up a little bit and feel it in your body and then what you're going to do is you're going to take the object and i hope you can see me let me make sure you can see me but what we're going to do is bilateral simulation and so we take this object and we pass it over the midline of our body and I like to kind of like swing my arms back a bit because it feels nice and what's happening here this is very similar to the process in EMDR and the concept is that when we're experiencing an emotion it is typically on one side of our brains and so when we practice bilateral simulation we are engaging both sides of our brain and so it tends to just balance everything out and I typically have clients tell me like, oh, this feels really euphoric or, well, this feels good. Or I had a client be like, this is silly. And, you know, she went from being like, I'm so overwhelmed and so having a hard time to be like, oh, this is silly. And that was like a really lovely moment. Like, yeah, that's definitely a win. <laughs> Going from like, oh, everything's horrible to kind of laughter. Um, so whatever it feels like for you, I, I love this because it feels like stimming, right? This feels like something I do all of the time, every day. Um, but it's the bilateral part that feels really, really lovely. So try that and see how it feels. The next regulation technique I'm going to show you is called faster EFT. And so it's, it's a tapping technique, um, but it's the fast version of it. So it's kind of like a linear streamlined version of it. And if you've never tried EFT, it's this tapping that's basically Kind of like a mixture of acupuncture without the needles of course and self-hypnosis and this is a really great release technique um and again i'm i'm offering these to you for you to experiment with and see what works for your brain what feels nice what feels lovely um take what works and leave what doesn't again your brain so again call up that feeling that feeling in your body, whatever it might be for something that you want to release and let go of, you know, it might be an encounter that you had with someone earlier, or it might just be a feeling that you're like, I do not need to hang on to this anymore. And what we're going to do is we're going to tap the crown of our head 
I release this and let this go. So I usually like saying that out loud, actually, while I'm tapping. I release this and let this go. And then we're going to move to the next part, which is right in between your eyebrows. Tapping. I release this and let this go. And then we move to the kind of like your temple. That's what this would be called, your temple. I release this and let this go. Under your eye, I release this and let this go. Thumping your chest, I release this and let this go. And then the last thing you're gonna do, you're gonna grab your wrist. You're gonna take a deep breath in and exhale twice as long. That's a very like, <laughs> I wonder if you can hear my breath, but that was a very, that, was, whew, that felt really good for me. <laughs> so that is called Faster EFT. And then the last one I'm going to teach you, this one's really simple. It's really straightforward. You can do it anywhere. It's not as obvious, right, as being in public and tapping. Um, it's called basically peripheral, peripheral, bleh, peripheral focus. And so what you're going to do is you're going to find a focal point in front of you. You're going to let your eyes rest on that focal point. And then you're going to expand your awareness to the periphery, so the, the edges of your peripheral vision. And just bringing your awareness around the edges of your periphery. And then bringing your awareness beyond your periphery to the space behind you. So that takes literally a couple seconds. That is another technique that can be used for when you're experiencing emotional or nervous system dysregulation. And I want to tell you a story I had. So I was at a restaurant. Um, I was having a really hard day. It was just like a brutal, brutal day. I was at dinner with some friends and I was about to have like a panic attack in the bathroom. And I like went to the bathroom and I could feel the emotions rising. I could feel my, my face getting hot and I was about to start crying and sobbing. And I took my phone in the bathroom stall and started doing this. And I literally said to myself, holy shit, is that all it takes? Because as soon as I started doing this, I felt so much better right that that burning feeling my face getting red the tears all of that it just dissipated and i just kept doing it until i felt like i was ready to get out of the bathroom so like i said that's my favorite but try them all and see which ones you like best awesome okay cool 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 so next big juicy topic shame which i think is a huge 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 important factor when it comes to impulsive spending hyperfixation spending ADHD in general, neurodivergence in general. Shame is huge here. All right. Uh, I think I talked earlier about the cycle, the cycle that we experience of like discomfort. We try to right, get away from the discomfort and maybe we buy some stuff and then we beat ourselves up for buying and be like, oh my God, that wasn't in my budget. I shouldn't be spending money right now. I can't believe I bought this. Shame. Shame. And then right? We're creating more discomfort in our brains that our brains then want to run away from. So we get this cycle that happens, right? Shame is different from guilt. This is Brene Brown's definition. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad, right? I did something bad. Guilt is like, okay, there's areas for improvement. I don't love that I did that, but I'm going to do it differently next time. Shame, I am bad. There's no wiggle room there. <laughs> there's it just, there's no wiggle room there. It's just, I am bad, right? There's less space for change. So shame is where we really want to put in the work. And I think de-shaming your spending really comes down to, right? We talked about those personal histories. It really comes down to recognizing and witnessing the intelligence of our actions. Everything that we do is for a reason and it's for an important reason. Our unconscious minds are designed to protect us. And if we are spending money to run away from discomfort, that makes sense. That is a valid tool, right? It's maybe not our ideal tool. If we could just choose from all of the you know, reactions we love to have, maybe it wouldn't be that one. But we're doing it for a reason, and it's an important reason. 
And especially if you are impulse buying, hyperfixation buying, because you're having a really hard time in your life right now, or you are going through some really intense grief, or this is a really stressful time in your life, I think it's really important to to ask yourself, is this helping me stay alive right now? Because sometimes it is. And that is, if that's what it takes, <laughs> if that's what it takes, money is nothing compared to your life. Money is nothing compared to your life. And I don't know about you guys, but I have had the worst impulsive spending, hyperfixation spending episodes of my life at the darkest times of my life. And I look back at all of the money that I spent on stuff that I didn't really need, and I don't see it as a waste. I don't see it at all as a waste. I see it as something that kept me alive during one of the most dark and horrible times of my life. And if that's what it takes to keep me alive, I'm okay with that. And when we get to a place where we are ready, right, where we're ready to to do some work and we have the capacity to look inside and say, hey, what's going on here? And get curious and, again, witness the intelligence of our actions rather than looking at them through the lens of shame. Then we're going to make a lot of a lot of difference there, a hundred percent, a lot of difference there. So, please be compassionate with yourselves. Please, please bring that awareness to the moments of like, huh, I'm spending a lot of money right now. Is there something going on in my life, right? Because when we bring awareness to it, it adds a lot of clarity. And when it comes to breaking the cycle of shame, breaking the cycle of shame. Right again, I talked about that cycle, so I'm not gonna bring it up again. But I believe that we break the cycle with gratitude. I think the opposite of shame can be a lot of times self compassion and gratitude, right? The go to response would be like, Oh my gosh, I bought Panera bread today, this morning for breakfast, and that wasn't in my budget, and I shouldn't have done that. And then we wake up the next day and do exactly the same thing, right? There's not, when we're creating so much discomfort and shame in our brains that we're so trying to avoid it at all costs, there's not a lot of room there to problem solve, troubleshoot, to say, okay, I'm going to Panera Bread. Why is that? Well, it's convenient. Why is it convenient? Well, I don't have any foods that feel easy to prepare in the morning, right? Uh, Okay, how can I make that more accessible for my brain? How can I make that easy? How can I reduce the friction points? Right, when we're just shaming and beat ourselves, beating ourselves up, we don't have a lot of cognitive and emotional bandwidth to be able to problem solve, troubleshoot, evaluate. And so what I believe does create that space is saying, okay, yeah, maybe maybe that wasn't my budget, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I got this morning to get this delicious bagel and it was so yummy and it was so good. And I'm glad that I was able to take care of myself. I'm grateful that I was able to feed myself instead of going to work starving. (laughs) And all the negative executive functioning that comes from being starving all day long and not eating. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I was able to take care of myself. Right? That mental space is so much more expansive. I'm so grateful I was able to take care of myself. How can I take care of myself even more? How can I do more? How can I support myself even more rather than the shame, the beating ourselves up, which just shuts everything down, closes it all down. So this is a really fundamental concept that I very strongly believe in is that shame, we think, right, our brains, our unconscious minds like to think, oh, if I shame myself, if I beat myself up, it's going to stop me from doing the thing that I don't want to be doing. But the (laughs) thing is that doesn't work. And we learned that from somewhere, right? I think sometimes we learned it from like parents or teachers of like, you know, other people shaming us and it changed our behavior. And somewhere we learned or we think that, oh, if I shame myself, if I beat myself up, this will change my behavior, but it doesn't. It doesn't. And maybe it worked when we were children, but it doesn't work anymore. And it's not serving us. It's not helping us. So we have to do something different. We have to try something different. And in my opinion, 
how we break that cycle is with gratitude and making that more expansive, making that space not shut down, but open up and keeping that door open. So next big juicy mindset concepts is identity work. And truly identity work is just the concept of understanding yourself, understanding who you are, what you like, what you value, what your values are, and the person that you care to be, and how you care to show up in the world. Um, and, you know, I think a really beautiful way to understand yourself and who you are is identifying your unmet needs. And this is my favorite part of this whole freaking class. Truly my favorite part. I think it's so fun. But I believe that all of our hyperfixations, all of our impulse buys, tell us critical information about ourselves and our unmet needs. And when we dig a little deeper, when we investigate, we are able to uncover core needs that may be able to be met in other ways, more effectively, right? A lot of times we maybe have this hyperfixation and it just feels like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm gonna buy this thing. Hmm, I don't feel like I'm explaining that very well. Let me try a different way. Okay, I think the best way I'd like to do this is with the story. So when I was having a hard time last year, I was hyperfixating on fuzzy slippers. <laughs> fuzzy, fuzzy slippers. And I was like on Wirecutter. I was on Reddit. I was looking at reviews. I was on all these websites. And I wanted to buy some fuzzy ass slippers. But I didn't. Because what I did instead was I asked myself, what does this hyperfixation tell me about my unmet needs? And I thought about it, okay, what do fuzzy slippers, what, how does that make me feel, right? What is the thought of having, owning, using, buying fuzzy slippers? What does that make me feel in my body? And it was warmth, it was comfort, it was like a luxury feel without being like money luxury, but just like a luxurious, self-indulgent, taking care of myself, self-care kind of feel, right? And so this hyperfixation was telling me about my unmet needs. I, in that moment, was craving self-care. I, I wanted to be feel warm and comforted. I wanted to feel taken care of by myself. I wanted that luxury feel. And so I asked myself, okay, well, how can I give that to myself? And the thing was, I had literally two pairs of slippers in my house already that I wasn't using. And so... I decided, okay, I want to meet this unmet need. I have this need, I wanna meet it. So I did my fuzzy robe. I wore those slippers every damn day, every single day, right by my bed, wore them all day long in the house, started actually wearing them. Um, you know, getting under my comfy, cozy blanket, um, doing, I think I did like a, a face mask kind of thing. I can't remember what brand, but anyway, I think the Tony, Tony Moly, is that what it is? Anyway, the face masks. I gave myself a hot bath and I gave myself that feeling of care and self-indulgence and I continued to. And as soon as I started doing that, the need, right, the hyperfixation where I'm just like typing, typing, typing away on the, on the computer and I'm researching all of these slippers and I'm like, oh my God, I want to buy this so badly. I'm right about to buy it. All of that faded away. <laughs> all of it faded away. And it was just like a, because <sighs> I gave myself what I needed in that moment. Um, I'll tell you, I've had so many people on my TikTok that I posted about this concept ask me, like, what do squishmallows mean? I can't stop buying squishmallows. What does this mean? And as somebody who has now understand and appreciated the love of squishmallows, it's the sensory experience of the squishy, right? It's almost like being able to give somebody a hug or cuddle with a pet right? They're soft. They're really squishy. There's like a sensory, there's a strong sensory feel there. So there's a sensory indulgence there. And they're also really freaking cute. They're kind of like adorable. Um, there's a very childlike whimsy there. Um, so anyway, I could go on, I could go on, but I think, right. Asking yourself, all right, I'm hyperfixating on this or I impulse bought this. 
what does this tell me about my unmet needs? And exploring that can be really, really valuable. And there's going to be times where, okay, I have this unmet need and it can only really be met by buying this thing, right? That is going to be possible sometimes. And that's why I share my story about my blackout curtain falling. So I literally was being blinded by the sun every day. I had an unmet need of sleep. And my way of getting sleep was buying uh, sleeping masks so that I could block out the light, right? That was an unmet need that I had that was met with a purchase. That was a hell yes purchase for sure. But there are other things that we're going to experience, you know, like I shared this story with my camera that I wanted to buy. And it wasn't about buying a camera. I literally already had a camera that I could have used. It was about embodying my love of photography actually taking photos it's not that i needed to buy a camera to do that you can take photos on your phone but i wasn't embodying the feeling of like yeah i am a photographer yeah i do love photography yeah this is something that i care to do and again as soon as i started taking photos and i spent like a whole weekend like probably 30 hours researching cameras <laughs> as soon as i went outside and i started taking pictures with my old camera i'm just like Oh, yeah, okay. Because I gave myself what I needed. And you can do this too. And I want to say again, this class has no close date. So if you're feeling stuck, if you're like, what the heck does this mean about my unmet needs? Send me a DM, post in the group, send me an email, and I'm going to be here to help you figure that out 100%. But I think this can be really valuable. Like, what does this tell me about my unmet needs? And how can I give myself what I need? Maybe with what I already have. Or maybe I do need to buy something, but maybe it doesn't need to be that big, massive, expensive thing. Maybe it can be, you know, I dip my toes with a lower, lower cost item because that will still meet my needs. <laughs> okay, great. So yeah, that's the one that I love the most. I think it's so powerful. I think it's so cool. Super, super fun. Okay. And then the last big mindset shift is this idea of breaking up with the dopamine of spending. And I think to, to get there, we have to realize that there is nothing wrong with hyperfixation, right? We, again, tend to have this association of like, ooh, I'm hyperfixating on a item that has a buy button. That means I'm going to end up buying it, that these, these acts are tied together. And what we fail to realize is that we are allowed to hyperfixate. We are allowed to even go shopping. <laughs> for the pure enjoyment of the experience of doing so. And it's almost like bumping up your dopamine receptors. This is a metaphor, I don't mean literally, but it feels like a metaphor of dopamine, bumping up your dopamine receptor sensitivity. So I think so often we feel, we feel like, oh my gosh, okay, the impulse buying, the spending, the clicking the buy button, that's what gives me dopamine. But so much more of the dopamine is just from doing the research, <laughs> right? So much more of the, the dopamine that we get is from all of the YouTube videos we watch and all of the reviews that we looked up and all of the blog posts and Reddit articles and Instagram pictures that we have looked up about this thing that we really, really want. That is where the majority of the dopamine is. It's just like the research, the curiosity, the playfulness. It's not really about handing over your credit card. There's not a lot of dopamine in that action. So breaking up with the dopamine of spending, it really means understanding that we are allowed to hyperfixate. We are allowed to go shopping for the sensory experience, right? I, I literally, I think I spent all last weekend shopping. And I probably only spent forty dollars, if I'm remembering correctly. It was like forty bucks um, on a water bottle that I really, really needed because I lost my old one, and I got some sour candy and some food. Um, but I shopped. I spent, I think I spent four hours shopping, just like going around all these different stores, because I was following my dopamine. I was following my dopamine, not the dopamine, but my dopamine. My dopamine was telling me. Ooh, I want to go to the dollar store. Ooh, I want to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. Ooh, I want to go to Ross. Oh, let me go check out this toy store. Like, it was super random. It was like what my brain wanted to do was the best part of my impulsivity. 
and I had so much fun looking and just like touching things and seeing what was there and just looking around and be like, oh my gosh, this is, this exists. That's really cool. And that was a really lovely regulating experience for me, just going out and shopping and having a great time and not buying anything, but still enjoying the sensory experience of being out. And it's the same for hyperfixation. I can enjoy, we can all enjoy the the pleasure and the fun of hyperfixation researching something without having to spend money on it. There is a whole lot of good, juicy pleasure in the act of the researching bit. And that is that can be enough. That can absolutely be enough. And I think, you know, along with that thread, it can be really helpful to have that intention of I'm going to hyperfixate on purpose and allow myself to hyperfixate on purpose because this is how I regulate my emotions or this is how I decompress at the end of the day or this is how this is one form of pleasure that I experience as a neurodivergent person and again it doesn't have to be this cascade effect of oh if I hyperfocus or hyperfixate then I'm going to end up buying something it doesn't have to be that way they don't have to necessarily be linked they can be two completely separate entities that come together sometimes, but not all the time. And I think it's really important, right? I talked about following the dopamine versus your dopamine. And I think that this is a really important distinguisher because the dopamine is very external. It's very out there. It's very, um, ah, I just, you know, I want to buy, I want to get this tattoo. And then you get the tattoo and you're like, I don't even like this tattoo. Why did I get this tattoo? Or you buy some kind of crafting kit and then you buy it and you never use it and you're like i didn't even actually want this right that is the dopamine your dopamine is very different that is your that is your how do i put it into words today your dopamine is like your own authentic desires again it's the best part of your impulsivity it's your intuition. It's much more about your intuition. It's not like, oh yeah, here's like some free dopamine from playing this video game that I actually really hate playing, but it's like, oh my gosh, this is dopamine that I'm getting that brings me so much joy and so much enjoyment and makes me feel so good. And I feel filled up after. I don't feel depleted. I don't feel like "Eh," after, but I feel energized or I feel restored in some way. I think there's a really, really, really big difference there. Following your dopamine is this like little spark of playfulness and curiosity and right inner child or inner artist. It can be, I want to watch this movie that I've been wanting to watch for ages and I haven't watched it yet because no one will watch it with me. I'm just going to watch it myself because I really want to right now in this moment. That is following your dopamine. Following your dopamine is being like, wow. I have driven by this park every month for the last six months, and I still haven't been there. I really want to go see this park. I want to see what it's about. What's going on here? Following your dopamine is going to that park because you want to, right? It's very indulgent, but it's very joyful. It's very joyfully indulgent. It's not, it doesn't have that feeling of like danger or ick or, ooh, really shouldn't have done that. It's much more, again, about your inner child and your inner artist, your inner creativity. Um, It can be, it could be buying a craft set that's maybe made for kids, but doing it because you're like, wow, this is so much fun. And I really love that. And I really enjoyed that. And it was so cool to make a craft without having it be this big, serious thing. It can be all of those things, be totally all of those things. And again, if you're, if you're stuck here, if you're, still confused like what is the difference how do i know please reach out please email me please dm me please reach out to the facebook group and i would be super super happy to support you here but i think this is a really major part of the neurodivergence acceptance journey is the understanding of like what is your dopamine and what is it what are the longings inside of you what are they and giving themselves to you giving them to yourself i mean 
And I think, again, with that, when we follow our dopamine, it's almost like we increase the sensitivity, metaphorically, of our dopamine receptors. We're able to sniff out dopamine of like, oh, I get dopamine from going outside of this park because it's so freaking beautiful and the sunset is gorgeous. And we find all of these new paths, right? We uncover, we discover, we're like freaking archaeologists and we're like uncovering these amazing, cool fossils, right? That is what we're doing. They've always been there. They've always been inside us, but we're uncovering them. And we're able to create these new pathways for dopamine. So it's not just impulsive spending and that's our go-to. It's not just hyperfixation buying and that's our go-to. We have all of these other lovely, fun, pleasurable, enjoyable options where we get dopamine and we experience, again, the receptivity to that experience of dopamine. Cool, great. Okay, so with these concepts, um, right, I've had, I've had plenty of times I felt myself or I've had a client say, you know, I love that. I understand that logically. I understand that cognitively, intellectually, but I don't quite get it. You know, I don't quite feel it yet. Or it's hard for me to embody it. Or it's just not clicking yet. And I want to teach you a meta pattern of change that can help in it, uh, what is the word? I word blanking. Brain went blank. <laughs> but to help um, initiate, ingrain, integrate, integrate. That's the word. Integrate. So to integrate these changes and help you feel embodied and help you feel like, oh yeah, I feel that in my body rather than it's up here. It sounds great, but how do you do it? Would be really nice to just be able to do that. If you have that feeling. I'm going to do four steps to, to get there. And so just a disclaimer. So this is something that I do with my clients. So I teach them this meta pattern and I walk them through it. I walk them through all the steps and then we typically practice it together. So it would be something like, you know, I'm leading them through it. Um, and we practice it a bunch of times until they feel really confident in, oh, this is how it feels. This is what it's like. Um, this is what it looks like. This is how I, and basically just giving them the confidence to be able to do it on their own. So I'm going to walk you through it. If any of you want to have a coaching session with me, I'm not, so I'm not available right now for, for taking on like long-term clients. But if you want to have a one-off session with me to do this, I would love to do that with you. So please reach out to me if that's something that you're interested in. We can find a time to get scheduled. I think that'd be really fun. Um, you want to get on my waiting list for coaching let me know i would happy be happy to add you to that waiting list um the time it really depends i honestly have no estimate of when i will have a spot available um just because i have a lot of clients that work with me very long term for months and months and months i don't have a lot of turnover when it comes to spots anymore but i would be happy to put you on my waiting list and i can reach out when i do have a spot available okay so the meta pattern of change. So these are four steps, four very simple steps that I will walk you through. And the really cool thing about this is oftentimes, if you've ever experienced a brain change of like, wow, my brain feels so differently about this, whether it's for, you know, from a therapy session, from a coaching session, from an EMDR session, or even just talking to a friend, you can usually identify these four steps in some way shape or form if you've experienced a brain change which i just think is like literally so cool so step one is we want to associate into the problem state and by associate what i mean by associate is we want to feel it in our body right we don't want to just think of it cognitively of like ah, oh, this is so stressful and hard we want to feel like okay this is stressful and hard where am I feeling that in my body? Ooh, it's like a pressure in my chest. It's like a tightness in my shoulders. And not everybody feels sensations in that way, but you want to be able to connect in the way that works for your brain, that in the way that feels right in your brain and kind of just like fits with your, your brain sense of what you experience in your body. And so associating into the problem state, right? Let's say, um, let me try to get a relevant example here. So let's say, yeah, okay, let's say there's something that we really, 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 really want to buy, but we also don't want to buy it because, you know, maybe it's not, um, 
not really our authentic needs. It's not really our authentic needs. And we want to make a change there. So right, associating into the problem state would be feeling, okay, when I think about this thing, what am I feeling? And maybe, maybe it's more that feeling of like tightness and like urgency and the impulsivity of like, oh, I want this so bad and I don't even want to think about it. And maybe there's like a tightness here in your chest or maybe it's in your throat, a constriction or pinching in your shoulders or burning in your belly, whatever it is, you just want to feel that. And right, what we're trying to do is we're literally trying to light up the neural network in your brain for this feeling, for this, for this circumstance, for this feeling. And the key here is we want to figure out right, what we're going to be doing, just to give you a little heads up, but we're going to be cutting and pasting. And we really need to know where to paste. So it's very important to ask yourself, what do you see or hear? What is happening? What are you doing? Where are you right before you feel that feeling? And so that's, you know, that's like a trigger, basically. That's the word, it's a trigger. And so we want to identify that trigger because that's where we're going to be pasting. We're going to be pasting into, into a trigger. So again, associate into the problem state. Feel, oh, this is what my body feels like when I really, really, really want that thing. And maybe you feel it, you know, right when you open up the page to Amazon. Maybe that's when you feel it. So the second thing we want to do is we want to dissociate away from the problem state. So we can shake it off. You can like literally shake your whole body and that can help dissociate you away from the problem state. Dissociate means like we want to take a couple steps back. We want to get some distance, want to take a little break. We want to get some space, really. You can do bilateral stimulation. That is another dissociation tool, right? To, to help you get away in a good way from that feeling. You can do the peripheral vision exercise or you can do tapping. Any of these things will work. It's your preference. And so once we are, we shook it off and we're away from that state and we're not there anymore, right? We don't feel it in our body anymore. We're not like <gasps> right there. <laughs> um, the third step is to associate into the resource state. And I love the word resource. I could go on and on about it, but I will keep this brief. So we do that by asking ourselves the question, how do I want to feel instead? How do I want to feel instead? And maybe we want to feel calm. <laughs> maybe we don't want to feel rushed. Maybe we don't want to feel urgent. We want to feel slow. <laughs> we want to feel mellow. We want to feel heavy, right? Not frantic, but heavy. Oh, I'm like feeling it right now. Um, <laughs> maybe you want to feel, right? It, it's going to depend. It's going to be, it's going to depend, but how you want to feel instead, that's going to pop into your brain. It's going to be authentic to you. Um, maybe you want to feel ease. Maybe you want to feel lightness. Maybe you want to feel, yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, so we're tapping into how you want to feel instead. And what we're doing there, it's the same thing, right? Okay. What does it feel like? How do you know when you feel ease? Well, my shoulders just feel so much less tense. How do you know when you feel this lightness? Lightness. Well, it feels like my limbs are kind of like floating a little bit, right? It's again, we're lighting up a different neural network, but we want to light it up. So we want to feel, what is it like? How do you know when you feel that good feeling? And once you're really in that good feeling of like, this is what it, oh yeah, that feels really nice. You ask yourself, and as I'm feeling this lightness, this ease, now go to the Amazon page. Now notice, I did not say, now go to that moment where you were freaking out about impulse buying. It's, it's very different. So this is step four. This is called the collapse. And so what we're doing is we're bringing the resource state into the trigger. So not to the problem state, but to the trigger. Because what we don't want to do is you don't want to say, as you're feeling this lightness and this ease, now go to that moment of panic frenzy. Because those things don't, right, then we're lighting up the other neural network too strongly. <laughs> and then these things are just like clashing the whole time. And they're like, ah, you can't exist at the same time. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to light up this neural network. We want to create a new path. We're literally creating a new pathway in our brain. And so with that, we want to say instead, as you're feeling this lightness, as you're feeling this ease, now go to the moment where you opened up the Amazon page. And what do you notice? 
and how do you feel? And basically what we do is we take that and we, we loop it over and over and over again. So the first time we experience it, it's usually like these, these two, like these neural networks are meeting each other for the first time, right? We're literally rewiring our brain. And so we're establishing like a very, very first initial connection where they're like in the same room as each other. And they're like staring at each other across the room. And then we loop it again, right? So you might say, um, hmm, well, I notice that I don't really want to hit the buy button as strongly. And what's it like feeling like you don't want to hit the buy button as strongly? Well, it feels like I'm a little bit more distant. And what is it like to feel that distance? Well, it feels like I have a little bit more autonomy here, right? I'm just, I'm ad-libbing. I'm totally ad-libbing. It's very hard to do this on myself in this moment while I'm like trying to record this and look at my notes. So that disclaimer, but right, every time we loop it, every single time we loop it, we are re reinforcing and habituating this new change, right? So maybe the neural networks, these new pathways are just meeting each other and then they, touch each other and then they shake hands and then they're giving each other a hug and then they're like right and every time we loop it we reinforce it we are we are habituating this change in our brain of like ooh this is what it would feel like to see that amazon page and feel that lightness and feel that ease and feel this just like oh, distance where i have autonomy and it feels so freaking good it feels like I can make any decision I want. And if I want to buy that thing, I will buy that thing, but I don't have to buy that thing. And that feels amazing, right? Like that is the level that we want to get to here. And when we do this, what I like to, how I like to explain it is we are creating access points, right? We are creating a resource state. And like a resource state, how I visualize in my mind is like almost like a little window or a little door that we create in our, in our brains to be like, what's it like to feel this ease when I'm about to, you know, when I'm experiencing a hyperfixation or I'm about to impulse buy, what's it like to feel this like lightness and lack of tension? What's it like? And because we've practiced this, we've done this exercise, we make it so much more available to us, right? We have so much more of a closer and very strongly established memory of like, yeah, I remember, I remember doing that exercise. That's what it's like to feel this ease. That's what it's like to feel this lightness. It creates this like little accessible portal memory to be like oh yeah i remember that and it felt really good rather than being this foreign vague like well sure it'd be great to feel that way but how do you even do that right this is how we do that we have to feel it in our body and we have to create an emotional memory that is associated with the trigger so this is the whole this is the whole meta pattern and i wanted to share that with you um try it yourselves if you get stuck of course message me dm me if you want to work on this we can have a session together reach out to me i would literally love that um was there anything else i wanted to say so this 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 meta pattern of change oh my gosh my battery's gonna die so i will <laughs> i will try to wrap this up so this meta pattern of change i think it is literally the coolest thing that i've ever learned as in my whole experience as a coach i think it is just the coolest and most, it's just a really, really powerful tool because I think so often in life we have this experience of like, okay, I'm feeling this and yeah, I'd love to feel this way, but it feels really hard or that doesn't even feel accessible or that doesn't even feel possible. And these four steps doing this meta pattern work is literally how we get there and it's how we change our brain, right? We have these established neurons that have been firing, neurons that wired together, wired together. I think that's the saying, but we get these grooves in our brains of like these neurons that have these default pathways. And by using this meta pattern, we create a roadblock that's like, mm, and your brain has to go a different way. It has to take a different route. And so implementing this pattern can be a really, really powerful tool. If you're looking at something from this course or even something completely different in your life where you're like, I it could be, a, I have this phobia of spiders, or I have a fear of heights, or I'm feeling really overwhelmed about this work project to the point of I'm feeling really paralyzed, 
the cool thing about this meta pattern is that it works for all of that. It works for literally all of that, but it can definitely work too for all of the concepts in this course. If you're feeling like, wow, I really want this and I'm kind of feeling it up here and I'm not really feeling it in here yet. So again, if there's anything. Okay. Just to recap one more time, this course is open forever. <laughs> this is the last class, but the Facebook group is not going anywhere. I am not going anywhere. The whole point of this class is that you get to go at your own pace. So I don't care if you're opening up the handbook 10 years from now and reading it for the first time. I literally don't care. If you're gonna, if you're gonna reach out for help, I'm gonna be there for you. Um, if you have questions, I will be here to support you through it. I'm here to play with you, practice with you, you know, whatever you want to talk through these concepts from the class. I would love to do that with you. Um, we're all neurodivergent, and I think it's very refreshing to be able to go at your own pace. And I have created a multitude of resources and avenues and routes. So truly, like if you just if you just wanted to listen to this class, <laughs> you can do that. You can do that. You have my full permission to do that. If you if the one thing you want to take from this whole class is this wrap up class, do it. I think it's amazing. I love it. Do what's best for your brain. Um, but I do also have the handbook. I also have the summary and like the summary and reflection exercises, reflection questions and exercises on the Facebook. So I have posts there. So that's another brief summary. Um, and then of course I have these videos. I'm planning on downloading all of the audio files to make this content into like a podcastable. So you can just like listen while you're in the car or while you're walking, but it's gonna take me a minute to get there because I've never done this before. So there's gonna be some troubleshooting. Um, but that will be available at some point. And of course I will send you that when it is ready. I'll send that to your email. Thank you again for being here. Thank you again for being on this journey with me, being in this class with me. It has been a joy to work with you all. Thanks everyone for coming to the body doubling and the coaching sessions. That has been so much fun. Um, and yes, I'm here. Please reach out if you need anything. Okay, bye.